Welcome to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast, conversations designed to help you as you live, learn, and lead through pain. And now the host of the Nothing Is Wasted podcast, Davey Blackburn. Hello and welcome to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. I'm your host, Davey Blackburn, and joining me in our new studio, Emily Shilton. Emily, this is the first time that we are recording in our new offices. It's true. How do you feel? I feel good. I feel a little awkward because here's the reason. Yeah. I was thinking about this earlier today. Okay. As these microphones were set up, this is the very first time in all of our recordings, I believe that I've ever sat this way oh, from you you're sitting in in intros di- and outros. You're sitting on my left yes. right now instead of sitting on my right. Even like in the kitchen island, are. consistently I sat wow. on your right-hand side. Wow. So new angle, new perspective, hey, new place. It's just new. <laughs> That's the theme. The theme is new. Right. And I could be super spiritual right now and say it's new because God's doing a new thing in your life, listener, which I do believe. Yes, I believe we do believe that. That's true. But... I'm just really glad for the fresh environment. Like, yes, we have windows, guys. We have windows. Windows. So the listener needs to understand where we used to work. We had zero windows. In fact, we had to cut holes in the wall <laughs> just for air conditioning units, like window units, because there were no windows to put window units in. It right. was highly depressing, especially around wintertime in Indiana. Oh, you yeah. would go into the office sometimes in the dark. Mm-hmm. You'd come out of the office sometimes in the dark. Yeah, we like, were all really sad. Yeah. <laughs> so now we're sitting in a room that is full of windows, has actually, uh, what do you call these things? Skylights. Skylights above us. Mm-hmm. It's awesome. Yeah. It's awesome. Emily, I'm so pumped about the interview that we have today. Me too. It is with probably someone that is very well known by mm-hmm. a lot of our listeners. Yeah. And um, she has written several books. And most recently, she's written a book, um, especially on the topic of and or the question that she asks is, is God really kind? Wow. Is God really kind? And that is Annie F. Downs. We are super excited about her. She's Yay, one Annie. of our Nashville friends or rolls with some of our Nashville friends. So she was kind enough, speaking of, <laughs> to join us on the podcast. Yeah. But what I want to talk about before we have her interview is I want to talk about the... Drum roll, please. <laughs> I thought you were going to make a drum I was roll trying noise to ju- with I was like mouth. trying to do like, uh, you know, and <laughs> it didn't. Drum. Yeah. There we go. There we drum go. roll, boom, the Enneagram. Dun, 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 dun. Here's why I want to talk about the Enneagram. One, I think next year, I just went away and did our 2019 sermon prep awesome. planning, right? I think we're going to do a series on the Enneagram. Don't okay. hold me to it. God might change that. But right now, as I'm thinking about it, I think I'm going to do a series on, well, it's going to be a series on the Bible, but right, it'll right. be kind of filtered through the Enneagram, what <laughs> yeah. that looks like. But Annie is talks a lot about the Enneagram. Yes. In like her podcast. Her podcast is called That Sounds Fun. Which sounds pretty fun. Which is so appropriate because she's an Enneagram 7. Okay. And my wife is an Enneagram 7, and they just love to have fun. Yeah. They are like the life of the party. They hate when things are a drag. And so um, I know that Annie will like my wife. Yes. But I, I, I'm i concerned if whether or not she's going to like me because she's been pretty outspoken about the fact that she does not like Enneagram 3s. Oh, no. And I'm an Enneagram 3. What are you going to do? I don't know. So uh, <laughs> we're recording this right now before we're actually having the interview with Annie. So <laughs> I'm not real sure. I just hope that things kind of... Maybe I just won't tell her I'm a 3. Yeah, here's the idea. You don't tell her. You... You make her like you through a conversation. <laughs> you tell her afterwards, and then you say, ha. I just say, ha. Three. Yeah, point, though. You got a point. <laughs> when, but she 
would you never mind? <laughs> I actually told Christy that she needed to drop by this afternoon for the interview because uh, I just know that she and Annie would get along so well because yeah. they're just sevens and they're just fun. Right. They would just have fun all the time. And so then too. Annie would like Christy, and then by default she would have to have to like you, like me. Yeah. So I was just I'm just kind of getting nervous. That's probably a better idea. Yeah. Than yeah. what I said. What What is your enneagram number? I am a number nine. Okay. Explain that a little bit. And so the listener has no idea what a number nine is. What is a number nine type? Yeah. So I'm actually not the most savvy on the Enneagram. Okay. I should say I'm less savvy than you are. But <laughs> what I do know is that the nine type is a peacemaker. Okay. And so um, the ways in which we interact with other people is really through the lens of asking the question of like, hey, does my presence matter? Hmm. And so that question kind of influences everything that we do and most of the decisions that we make. And so um, I feel like normally um, my role in, in a conversation is to feel someone out before I'm maybe forthcoming with my ideas or, okay. um, yeah, outspoken about really even the things that I like. Um, but in friendships, I feel like our role is pretty essential in the way that we are able to like mediate and um, just help harmony happen. <laughs> okay, yeah, it's very true. You are. You're a very good mediator. And uh, for the record, your presence really does matter. Thank you. We we are super excited to have you on this podcast. And if you're a listener and you're excited to have Emily on the podcast, you need to write in and tell Emily oh. that you are happy that her presence is here. Guys, that's so nice. <laughs> uh, there's so It's so funny because we've had people come and visit the church who are out of towners, but they listen mm -hmm. to the podcast and they're like, oh my gosh, I want to meet Emily. Right? <laughs> right. They don't care about the host of the podcast. They're yeah. just like, I want to meet Emily. Yeah. One of our friends, Luke, <laughs> brought his parents to church and um, she recognized me by my voice. Yeah. And she was like, I would know that giggle anywhere. And I was like, hi, thanks. What's your name? <laughs> but it was really great to meet her. But just funny that people recognize me by my voice it. before my face, you know? Well, your presence does matter. Thank you. So the Enneagram has two arrows, right? You have kind of your stress yes. or disintegration arrow mm -hmm. and your your integration arrow or your like growth arrow. Yes. What is that for an Enneagram nine like yourself? What does that mean? So if you're under stress, yeah. what will you typically do? I go to a six. Six, which yes. means your your tendencies will become what? Yeah, more under questioning. Okay. Um, I need affirmation from a lot of people about like the decisions that I'm making. Gotcha. Yes. A little skeptical. A little skeptical. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. So, But when you're growing, you yes. become an, a what? A three. What? Yeah. You become like me. <laughs> <laughs> Which, uh -huh. what is a three? A three is an achiever. Achiever. Um, so just taking a lot of steps toward personal growth and um, getting things accomplished and working on things. So what? you probably could inform me a little bit more about what yeah, that is, kind of goal oriented, goal -oriented. achievement based, yes. image conscious, mm -hmm. which is why threes are either loved or hated, I feel like. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because we just kind of like, we like, like we, but here's the thing we build our value so much on achievement, which is the unhealthy side of it. So, like, one of the things I love about the Enneagram is it informs you or helps you understand your greatest fears and your greatest motivations. Mm -hmm. So, one of my greatest motivations is I just want my life to matter. Yeah. Right. That's it. One of my greatest fears is I would die my life not mattering. Right. right? Yeah. And so that kind of informs a lot of what happens, but uh, or or what what I do. The the thing is, is I end up um, 
the way I feel loved is by achievement or performance. Okay. So if I like mess up, I have to fight this tendency. When I make a mistake and someone says, hey, you made a mistake, what I hear is, hey, I don't love you. Right. Isn't that really crazy? Yeah. So, and every Enneagram type has that kind of like the way they filter things or they perceive things through the world, which is why I love the Enneagram, but because it helps you to understand a little bit more holistically about who you are. Yeah, for sure. And it's so intuitive about that. And so it's actually helping me as in my relationship with the Lord go, wait, where does my value lie? It doesn't lie in my achievement or my performance. It lies in Jesus and who I am in Christ and what he's already achieved and performed on my behalf. And so I can rest in that, right? So there's so much tie in our integration with the gospel Mm -hmm. um, as it informs our Enneagram wound, right? Or um, uh, what I, I think they call it the attack on virtue. Okay. Right? So like the attack on the, on the virtue that um, has, uh, sh- should come out of your life if it's healthy. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah, that totally so, makes sense. So anyways, we're going to probably have to have somebody on the Enneagram, like who knows the Enneagram well on this podcast. Yes. Be really good. Maybe we'll have Ryan? Chris. Oh. I don't remember his last name. <laughs> Said a different name. Than Who you. are you thinking? <laughs> Ryan O'Neill. We could have Ryan O'Neill, who is sleeping at last. He yeah. knows it really well. Or Chris, whatever his last name, who wrote Hewitt's. Uh, he came to AU and did, did really? a chapel when I was a student there. Well, if you know Chris Hewitt's, who wrote the Sacred Enneagram, connect us because we'd love to bring him on the podcast. Yeah, be informed. That would be fun. But today we're talking about we're talking to Andy Downs. Yeah, who knows something about the podcast? <laughs> I mean, the Enneagram too. <laughs> It'll be good. It'll be good. So before we jump into the interview, a couple things. We yes. would love your help by rating and reviewing the podcast. Um, if you haven't already, please know this helps a ton. It just helps to get, um, as we get more ratings, as we get more reviews, um, this helps to cause the podcast to rise in the overall rankings, which puts it in front of more people, exposes it to more people. And our heart in that is to help people who are hurting. And so um, share this podcast, let people know if this is benefiting you, if it's helping you, let people know about it. Um, We love when you guys do that. Yeah. I feel like when people find something that they love, uh, they they ask the question of like, hey, how can I be a part of this? Yeah, exactly. And so reading and reviewing the podcast is a really great way, sharing that with your it's friends. Um, there are a couple other ways that you guys can be involved with the podcast. And I would say the second one is to pray. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just pray for the conversations that we're having and that Jesus would continue to do Absolutely. miracles through this ministry. Um, and then the third way I would say is, is you can give online. Mm. Um, and so that might be something you need to pray about, but um, this podcast does cost us mm-hmm. to produce and um, ship our recording equipment to yeah. our, our uh, interviewees. Across sometimes, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so if you feel like that's a way that you would want to be involved, you can go to davyblackburn.com slash give. Yeah. Um, well, I guess we should jump into the interview. Let's I'm really excited it. about this. Even though we haven't had it yet, I know it's going to be gold. It's going to so be really good. Make sure you grab your notebooks. Or if you're driving in the car, please don't grab your notebook and write down. <laughs> Maybe that wouldn't be the good thing. Take but some mental notes. Take some mental notes. <laughs> And let's jump into this interview with Annie F. Downs. Annie, thanks for joining me on the podcast. Great to have you. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. We have a mutual friend uh, that connects us, Allie Fallon. We had her on the podcast a while ago. And Gosh, uh, isn't she so smart? She's a ama- uh, brilliant, absolutely brilliant. So brilliant. smart. She's, she's helping brilliant. so many people right now, especially in the writing yeah. world. 
But uh, yeah. yeah, so tell me what who who is Annie F. Downs? Like, where mm. what what do you do? How did you get into what you're doing? What's your story? Yeah, so um, I am a full time author, speaker, podcaster. Those are my kind of three wow. buckets right now of what we do at, with our time here at the office. And let's see, what else do I do? So I got into this because I used to teach elementary school. Okay. And You're brave. When I was teaching, <laughs> yeah, thank you, thank you. I have a four-year-old and a five-year-old, and I'm like, Ugh. oh yeah. Yes, so they're about. Are they going to be one grade apart or two? Yes. <gasps> so you have exactly. like a first grader, second grader, second grader, third grader. Oh, it's going to be so That's fun. Awesome. That's going to be great, though. You're going to love that because then you'll like the teacher that you right. loved the year before. Right. You can just exactly. request the next year. Or the <laughs> or opposite. Put it on the no you know list. I mean? Yes. So that's yeah. That is your other uh, the other option. Um, so when I was teaching elementary school, I was volunteering with my local church's um, youth group. Okay. And I was writing content for them, and I was writing a Bible study. And at the end of the semester, I wrote this Bible story for high school girls. And at the end of the semester, one of the girls said, "Hey, will you print one more of these so I can have it?" and give it to my friend. It's like a book. And I was like, it's like a book. Did I just write a book? I didn't mean to write a book. I was like writing resources for my local girls Mm -hmm. from our high school ministry. And so that was in 2006. Um, and it became my, it ended up becoming my first book that was published in 2012. Yeah. Okay. And that funny. So yeah, my first, my first, two or three, my first two books in a journal were for teenagers, teenage girls. And now my writing is, and I do, I don't do really teenage stuff much anymore. Now it's all adult nonfiction with men and women and Sunday mornings and that kind of stuff. There's probably very few people who just accidentally stumbled upon writing a book, but you're one of them. (laughs) Right. Well, yeah. I mean, I didn't, once, once I decided Oh, I wrote a book and I loved it. I want to do yeah. something with this. It, then it changed, right? It didn't just become this like, um, like Cinderella kind of story of like, oh, I accidentally wrote a book. <laughs> you know, like by then I was like Googling, how do you write Christian books for, for teenagers, yeah, you know? Right. And in 2006, Google was just not near as smart as it is now. So it gave me like five answers. Wow. And so is that you just decided what'd you do? What'd you do from there? Like, yeah. So I, you know, what's so funny is one of the things I do now is I'm one of the co-hosts of the relevant podcast okay. for with relevant magazine. And one of the very, probably the very first published piece I ever had was on, was on relevant's website in 2006. Wow. They okay. just said, they said, you know, they took free, um, submissions. And so that's how it started. I just started writing and I started going to writers conferences and then, and kind of started meeting other people that were where I was and people who were way ahead of where I was. And, and so I definitely got motivated and, um, yeah, I, I mean, it it was not that I sat back after that first experience. I, once I was like, I'm going to do this. I was like, we're going to do this. Yeah, exactly. I think some people think in the writing world, and I'm a novice at it, especially compared to you. I have my first book, Nothing Is Wasted, is going to be published after we get through my late wife's trial and everything. Yeah. And so, But just even that right there, I think a lot of people think, oh, you just kind of stumble upon a publishing deal. And so they yeah. think, you know, sitting down with publishers, you know, but what you did is you, you hit the grind. I mean, you worked yeah. hard, you did whatever you could oh, for dude. free, writing everything you could. It was, br- <laughs> I mean, so- am I, so we, that just to get, you know, overnight success story. Ready? I wrote it in 2006. 
I moved to Nashville in 2008, signed with an agent in 2009. We got 47 no's to the book. And, wow. and so that's like more than there are publishers. I didn't even know there are that many there publishers. Yeah. There are just multiple people <laughs> at each publisher, 47 no's. Wow. And so then about a year later, when we've gotten all those no's and zero yeses, zero like next conversations, I, my agent and I quit working together. Wow. And so a year after that, now this is like, it's easy to tell the story now, like in a year later yeah, and a year later, yeah. but the reality is a year is a really long time Yes, when you think you want to be an author and you're getting all these no's. Yeah. And so then in the winter of 2010 in December of 2010, my parents paid to self-publish my book Okay, because we were like, let's self-publish it. It's finished. And like, Someday I want my grandkids to have a book that I wrote on their shelf. Right. And so we self-published the first one and then it sold on Amazon and sold really well. And so publishers came back and said, uh, hey, that book we said no to, <laughs> you sold a lot of copies. So That's can we have awesome. it? And so it, we ended up going with one of the publishers who came back around. And now I'm, you know, eight books in and three Bible studies and you know, I mean, it's, it's insane, but wow. I had a full six years of sitting on one book that no one wanted to, wanted to publish. Yeah. Yeah. Which that it's, that's an unbelievable story of just pushing through the, the odds being against you. Um, and I, you know, I want to talk about this book that you're, you're actually have just released by the time yeah. this podcast comes out, you will have just released it. Remember God. Yeah. And maybe you talk a little bit about all of that in that book, but what did you, how did you feel through all that process? How did you continue to push through and wake up every day with this dream or this hope staying alive, even though you're getting rejection after rejection after rejection after rejection? Man, well, you know, the truth of this life is I woke up every day just trying to pay the bills, right? Like at (laughs) some point it was just like, okay, if this isn't going to work. And it was really good for me too, Dave, because I needed, um, the only way my identity separated from my career was by me walking away from everything in 2010 and going like, okay, if that's not, mm. if I'm not an author, what am I? Because I'd moved to Nashville and told everybody, oh yeah, I write books. Yeah, I write books. You know, like, oh yeah, I'm here to write books. Yeah, right. And then no <laughs> one wants to publish your books. And all of a sudden you're not writing at all. And you're working at the local taco, which is like a, like a local burrito place, taco place. And I'm nannying wow. and I'm taking jobs off a of Craigslist. And I mean, I mean, I was like hustling to pay the bills, working part-time at a nonprofit, wow. calling people whose credit cards declined each month. I mean, serious. Jeez. The hustle. You yeah. The hustle. And the whole time thinking like, I guess I try I tried to be a writer and it didn't work. Right. So I gotta ask God what else he has for me. Um and and then he looped it back around, which happens sometimes and doesn't happen other times, right? Yeah. Like yeah. sometimes he brings it back I mean, I'm single and and you've been through single seasons of your life too, where you're like man, this breakup either is for good or it's not for good. It's one of the two, right? Right. (laughs) And the same was true with my, with my publishing careers. We were either done or we weren't done, but I was living like we were finished. Just like they tell you in a breakup, live like he's never coming back, you know, like live like that relationship's done. And I had to live like my writing life was done. And if that was true, who was I? And God Mm. got to really, um, I picture it like, this is so gross. So I'm sorry. We've only been friends for like 10 minutes. This is so gross. (laughs) But you know, like when you have to tear apart raw chicken, you know, like if if you're trying to cut it, it won't cut. (laughs) So you just rip it. That is how it felt with my identity being separated from my career as an author is it just had to be ripped apart. And the only way that was going to happen was through rejection. And so, um, and so the grind, so your question of like sticking with the grind, I mean, I, 
I didn't necessarily. And but then once we got once we got the book deal for the first one and it started rolling and then it, I mean my fourth book came out and I applied for a job at a local teacher store the same day cuz I couldn't pay the bills. Wow. I mean like it just never it 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 ne- I was so mad. Can you imagine? <laughs> I mean like I'm like I am four books into this career. I am traveling and speaking professionally yeah. and I can't pay the bills here? Yeah. Like, get out of here. I'm applying to work at a teacher store, which is yeah. adorable and super fun. But, oh, man, it was well, maybe it was really hard. Maybe your experience would have been better if you had been working instead of the local taco. You'd been working at Bar Taco. <gasps> Bar Taco? Wait a minute. Come How on. do you have that mug? Well, because we love Bar Taco. So if you're, you're, the listener has no idea. Right now I'm, like, holding yeah, up in the Skype the call a Bar Taco mug. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, Annie, and Annie just, like, freaked out. Yes, wait, are you, but you aren't in Nashville, are you? No, 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 no. We're we're in Indianapolis, but yeah, we come to Nashville quite a bit. Oh, um, next time you come, we let's started go to working Bar Taco. With, yeah, we'll definitely like we Done. we started when we started working with publishers first. Then we started making trips to Nashville, and then it yeah. just became a city we fell in love with. And so we were like, let's go to Bar Taco. In fact, okay, next time we're doing. You know, they have a secret taco. A secret taco. Oh, I've heard about this. There's like a secret you. menu or something. Yes, yes. We're gonna work this out next wow. time y'all are down here. So they, it changes seasonally. But it is always awesome. Really? Yes. And so you just say, what's the secret taco? And they have secret. I'm going to get in trouble for this. They also have secret. Um, you know, they have those plantains that they fry. Right. They have dessert ones. Do you know that? What? Cinnamon sugar. Okay. Chocolate to dip in. Done. Game Brother, over. I'm here for you. When you and your wife come down, Game y'all just come over. on. Thank let's you. go. We're going to, it's, it's the best. We will. So a couple, uh, about a couple months ago now, we went down to visit my brother in yeah. Birmingham and on the way home, we love bar tacos so much. On the way home, we stopped in, in 12 South and Dude, ate a bar taco that's like my on the street, way back man. That's so funny. What, um, what do you get right? when you're there? Uh, well, I well, mean, sure. I like all the tacos, so I just kind of sample them all. I really like, um, uh, I like the, well, this is so dumb because I'm a pastor, but I like the El Pastor. Yeah. <laughs> I, like the, <laughs> I like that one. Not, no pun intended. I'm sorry. But, um, and I like the, the Baja. Sure. I love the Baja. Yeah. I think it's really good. Well done. There, okay. So. We're doing it. The guacamole but, is yeah. unstoppable. Well, you'll love my wife. Okay. So we will, we'll do this because you'll love my wife because she is an Enneagram seven. <gasps> Much you'll like myself. Two seven Just gals. Like you, you. you aren't going to get a word in at our dinner. I'm going to tell you right now. I won't. I'll just sit and listen and laugh and be what entertained because you? you guys. What's your Enneagram? Uh, I don't know if I want to tell you what my Enneagram is, to be honest with you. Oh, are you a three? Ah. For sure you are. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I'm a three. I'm a three-wing yeah. four. Seven and threes so. go together and I heard so that beautifully, you're not, I heard you're not a fan of threes. They're so. growing on me. I've met a lot of male three this year, okay. male threes this year, that okay. have looked healthy to me. And so they're, it's getting better. There you go. Well, that's and good. I think a male three with a female seven in, in their life is a very healthy male three because we are good balances for y'all. It is a very good balance. I feel yeah. that it's like either the most volatile or the healthiest and most like refreshing for yeah, people. Same. Like they you know what I mean? If we're if we're healthy, we love and serve people really, really yeah, well. That's right. If we're not healthy, we bulldoze over people and each other. That's it. That's it. That's it. Oh, I love this. I love that you even speak it's Enneagram. So we're gonna Bar Taco ain't even seen a thing until the three of us It'll show up. It'll be great. We'll bring Allie in on it and it'll just yeah, be a party. That's it. It'll that's be it. awesome. That's right. <laughs> hey, I want to talk about Remember God because this thing has just come yeah. out and it's a really great, uh, the thing that really came out in this thematically for us and our team as we were working through it was this idea of asking the question, is God, is God kind? Yeah. You know, 
Um, and I and, and I think for me that was huge because I grew up in church. I'm a pastor's kid. I always heard, you know, God is kind. He is good, right? Our our God is great. Like all of these catchphrases. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But when I walked through, when I walked through a few years ago, I had to ask the this, the question: Is God is He still kind? Even through, I can't imagine. Yeah. So yeah. so talk to me about how did you. What's what prompted this? What was the impetus behind yeah. asking some of these questions? I will answer if you will answer because I would okay. love to hear your thoughts on God's okay. kindness yeah. too. <laughs> um, but for me, it came down to when God's character stopped matching my experience of Him, mm. and I I could read in the Bible what the Bible said He was and what the Bible said was true of Him, and then I could look at my life and they did not match. Wow, they just didn't match, and I thought what? And it's like Peter says, like, where else do I go? Yeah. Like I've got nowhere else to go. You are the the one with life, life. you know, like, and Annie, that's where I landed too, was like, I don't have anywhere else to turn. I don't know anything else. All I know is to turn to the Lord and trust that he still is kind. And there's a lot more in depth that we can get into that in a second, but yeah, you keep going. That's so good. Yeah, that's it. And so that was it for me is that I just started. And the interesting thing is, much like some of your story that I know, I I would assume, I never planned to make this into a book. I was just trying to survive my life. (laughs) You know, like I was just trying to live and be healthy and, and, and stick with God. Mm. And, and at the end of the the book kind of goes through a calendar year. And at the end of that year, I went to Scotland and to England. And when I came back, I'd had such a profound experience in Scotland and in England. I came back and my agent and I had this meeting in California where we were going to outline the next book. We didn't know what it was. And I said, oh, yeah, yeah, we can for sure do that. But first, I got to tell you this thing that just happened. And I said, hmm. I don't know if you've known this part of my story this year that's been happening. And she knew some of it. But I go, I go through and I kind of tell her the story. And we walk on the beach for like two hours. And when we finish, and I'm like, can you believe that that's how this story ended? And she was like, that's your book. And I was like, no, it ain't. That's nobody's business. I'm telling you as my agent and my friend, like I am not going to, because it's so much about disappointment and it's about my, my area of that so often is singleness. And I don't want to write a book about singleness. And I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't. And, but I, I never wanted to be her and I don't like talking about it. And so it was very much like, no, 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 I'm not going to talk about how, how, this area of my life and others professionally, emotionally, physically, um, and relationally all kind of got slapped in one way or another in that season. And I was like, wow. I, I don't want to write about any of that. I'm fun. I'm a seven. Like we don't sit in our pain, yeah. you know? And then I ended up. Exactly. You're fun and you hate yes! pain. You want to avoid and run away from pain as much as possible. Yes! Yeah. And so then I'm writing a book about the most painful season of my whole life. Like, forget it. That's why we made the yeah. cover black. Right. Is because we were like, it will never get darker <laughs> than this in Annie Downs' life. Like you will never get an Annie F. Downs wow. book that is as dark as Remember God. But it is full. Of, I mean, that's so we did black and we put gold on it because it is so gold in yeah. the end. I mean, in the and not even like I didn't tie yeah. it up. That's one of the interesting things about this one, David. I think you'll like is that really the epilogue is me going like, I accidentally in real life caught up with my deadline on the book and I don't have an end of the story. And what do I do? And I Hmm. sat at a place here in Nashville called Red Bicycle with my friend John. And I just cried. And I was like, John, the book's due tomorrow and we don't have a happy ending. I have no bow to tie on this. And all good Christian communicators are supposed to have bows. Exactly. Yeah. And he was like, just tell the truth. Yeah, we were going through the writing process. Um, I heard 
someone, a piece of advice that said, don't try to write the end of your story too soon. Yeah. And I felt like I had a, I felt like I had a pretty good bow on, on my book. Yeah. I was like, okay, this is going to wrap up pretty good. Not that I had all the answers or not that I had anything like necessarily decided. It's just, I thought, I, well, now in the, the delay of the publishing process, God has done so much more really? in my life that now I look back on that piece of advice and I'm like, that's why they said that. Yes. Because we tend to write the end of our stories too soon. Yes. We tend to project what we think or what we, yeah. you know, our ex- expectations of what's going to happen. And God's like, uh, hey, remember, yeah, I'm the author. That's right. And that's finisher. right. Like, that's I'll do right. that for you. That's you know? exactly right. I had the very so, similar experience. Wow. And, you know, the thing that's terrible and beautiful at the same time is it still hasn't worked out for me. You know, like, so not only did it not work out yeah. when I was writing, as far as, being married, I mean, relationship being, we're fine and working on things, but as far as right. like actually being married, I'm not. And so then all these people reading are like, right. oh, not only did she not have it by the time she finished, she ain't locked it down yet. Like the girl's still waiting, you know? And so it's just very, <laughs> um, it feels very raw to me still. I mean, I haven't, I've had boxes of them for two weeks and I haven't opened a single copy of the book except to sign it for people. Mm. I'm like, I, it's it's not mine anymore. Yep. <laughs> I did my time in there. <laughs> that ain't my jail anymore. Yeah. Somebody else's jail. <laughs> I did yep. my time in there. Yep. Yep. Well, I think the thing that's beautiful about that though, and, and this is what I love. So obviously my Enneagram three is a lot more is is very image conscious. You yes. want that end of the story. You want that yeah. thing to be like packaged up beautiful, nicely. Make sure that you have people, that's you know, three it. points that's in the it. poem and here we go. And this is exactly how your life is gonna w- wind up. But the th- the other part of my mm-hmm. personality is I love authenticity, and I love the fact that it is the it is the darkness that people resonate with because nobody's life yeah. is wrapped up neatly in a bow. Like at some point in Christianity, on, we're going to have to stop that. faking it until we make it, and just realize, hey, listen, yes. this yes. is not this is dark. This is difficult. This is t- this is tough, and yet God still is, is. kind, which is what you yeah came to. Yeah. I mean, that's the, that's the truth of it is that, that um, you know, I was driving in the car and it was the very end of the year and I was driving to the airport and I was listening to a sermon and the pastor says, what do you believe about God? And this like paragraph dropped into my guts immediately before I even like had time to think about it. And I said, God strings me along. Mm. He tells me what I want to hear because he knows, because I'm like, I'm like one of the players on his team. So he needs me to not quit. So he tells me what I want to hear and he's actually never going to give me what I want. And then I was like, oh, you, oh, sister. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, We, I I was in the car by myself and I still was looking (laughs) around like, "Uh, did anybody else hear that? Because that is some demonic belief system. You know, like that is some off system stuff. I mean, that is wrong. (laughs) And I knew it was wrong, but I also knew it's what I really felt. And I had just been through a, a year of being disappointed. Yeah. And I was just saying to my friend Eliza, who works with me, that there's that like, I'm doing the best I can and I'm disappointed. I'm doing the best I can and I'm disappointed. And it cycles. And what ends up accidentally happening is it switches and you go, I'm disappointed, but mm-hmm. I'm doing the best I can. And you start operating from disappointed. Wow. Do you know what I mean? Wow. Yep. I know exactly what you and mean. And so, and that's what I had done is I had switched instead of optimistically doing my best and getting disappointed. Yep. I had decided that I started it disappointed yep. and had to rally myself to do best. Yep. Well, what you just articulated, even though it feels so taboo in Christian circles to, to mm-hmm. say that out loud, right? Have we, I feel like we have, I mean, I've been there for sure. I've been in this place yeah. where, I mean, 
in my life, I, we planted a church. We're in the grind of planting a church. I feel like that God dropped us off in the middle of a parking lot, but told us to build a forest. Listen. And you're yes. like, what? And I know you've been in ministry world. I know you've been in, in all of, and you, and you are in it and you've been in a lot of ministry hurt and you've experienced people walk away and you experienced, you know, mass exodus from your life and from churches and all of that. And I feel like there's always just this like glimmer of hope, this, this silver lining that God keeps and, and if I'm honest, I've thought that before too. This like, well, yeah. God keeps stringing me along. He just wants me to keep staying in the game. And then we like package things with like, hey, let's be steadfast. Let's not grow weary and well-doing. How many times have I preached that to our folks? Don't grow weary and well-doing. At the proper time, you will reap yeah. a harvest if yeah. you don't give up. So, (laughs) and you're like, I can't make you any promises of what's on the other side because I ain't got none of the stuff I'm waiting on, but we're supposed to wait. And then you're like, man, that's brutal. Right, right. So, how have you, like, what is that? uh, So, you're, I'm assuming you're not you're not in that place right. of disappointment right. or operating from that place right. of disappointment now. So how are you resolving that? Or how have you yeah. resolved that? What does that Do look like? You know, like? so what happened in the car that day is I really I I walked through a process that day in the car driving the airport where I went like, okay, God, I know that's a lie. You have to tell me the truth. Like I'm listening. You have to mm. tell me the truth, and I will repent of that lie because we. Ha- I mean, I had been believing that lie, so it was a spot that needed repentance. It was a sin. I I was sinning by believing what was so deeply untrue about God. And really clearly he said, I am kind to you. And I was like, okay, okay. I mean, and I know that, and and it didn't fix it. I mean, can we all just, it didn't fix it. Of course, yeah. But what it did is it it was this moment where I went like, okay, those are the glasses I'm going to wear. I'm going to quit wearing the he strings Mm. me along glasses and I'm going to start wearing the he is kind glasses. And that is what is actually true. Even when you do not get what you want, what is actually true is everything the Bible says about God is real and true. And your life will reflect that if you look at it like that. If you look at it like he's a right, he's an right. unkind God who is just in it for his own gain and or that he doesn't exist, that's actually probably what you're going to see. Yeah. But if you can look at it, if you can ask God for eyes to show me how I show me how you're being kind to me in this story. That's good. It doesn't make the pain go away, but he nope. will show you his kindness. He will. Yeah, I feel like if we are we are truly open to receiving that like him showing that to us, then in his time, he will show that to us. And That's you're it. right. We, <clears throat> we, we do look through these, these lenses. I, I, I don't want to like trivialize or make trite anything, any degree of pain that people are going through. But as a, as a dad who has a four and a five-year-old, I look at my kids oftentimes and I don't give them what they want because what they right. want is not what they need. Or I also know what, where that road leads for them. So even if it's a yes. good thing, Sometimes I'll withhold a good thing from them because I know that, or I see something in their spirit that's like seems entitled or seems, you know, and Mm. I'm trying to help correct that spirit because I know that 20 years down the road, if I continue to foster that spirit of entitlement, it's going to ruin them. It's going to destroy them. That's right. So how do I help them now? How do I shape their little hearts right now? And that, and that seems like such a, it's a tough illustration for an almighty God who, who knows way more than us and uh, his ways are much higher than our ways. But but it, but it kind of makes sense to me. I, I start to see now God as through the lens of a child, even though I'm seeing him through the lens of a father. Yes. And I can start going, all right, God's God's kind to me. He's he's he wants my he wants my he, he's he's out for my good. He's not out to destroy my fun. He's not out to de- destroy my dreams or my you know. 
Um, and I think that's where I had to land when it came to losing Amanda, that God was kind to me. And <clears throat> this is the hardest thing that I've had to wrestle with is it wasn't for me really. It was like, okay, I know, I know that God can be kind to me through all of this stuff. I felt like I'd kind of started to settle a lot of that, but how was in this situation where Amanda was murdered, how was God kind to her? Oh, okay. That's the, that's the part that I had to really start wrestling with. And I had to look at it through the lens of God's kindness. So I think you're dead on. I had to go, okay, mm. if God is an almighty protector, if he is, you know, if his word is true that we as, um, as his children don't taste the sting of death, you know, if it's true that his cross and empty tomb has destroyed that, it has, over, has overpowered that, then even in Amanda's death, God was yeah. kind. Now, how that how yeah. that is, I don't know. And I won't until we step into eternity. But I don't believe she looked God in the face when she stepped into eternity That's and said, right. you're so mean. You're string, you've strung me a lot. Like, I think she experienced the fullness of God's kindness. Now, how do we experience that? Yeah, on this side I of, think you're super right. Yeah, and and I think know. sometimes people would people think that like, well, we won't know until eternity and all that feels feels like a churchy answer, but it's actually not. It is what is it is our <laughs> lifeline. It is it is the hope that we have that that yeah. there are things on this planet we will never understand, but bless God that there will be a time when we do. You know, to the best to the best that we can, there will be a time when we mm. do understand. And and without God, there is a period on the end of that sentence, not a comma. You know, without God, it, it stops, and mm. you go, "Wow, th this is hopeless. This is hopeless." And with God, you go, "This feels so hopeless, but it isn't." Wow. And I don't understand yeah. how it isn't, but it isn't. Yeah. Is what is true. And so then you figure out a way to to live to live in that mystery versus living in hopelessness. It's not like yeah. you either live in hopelessness or full of hope. I think you either <laughs> live in hopelessness or mystery. That's good. Wow. That's really good. You, you titled this book, Remember God. And when I first saw the title of it and I knew kind of a little bit what it was, what it was about, it confused me. Explain that title for me. What, what is cool. that Cool. I kind of like that. Yeah. Um, you know, I just thought, how do you remember who God is when your circumstances don't tell you? If there yeah. is one thing, and do you know what? Like, um, if you and I talking about our friend Allie Fallon, yeah. if you if you said to me, um, yeah, did you? I when I met Allie, she slapped me across the face, and she was super rude. I'd be like, <laughs> that's not the Allie I know. Uh, we don't, you're, I don't. Yeah. Re you're not remembering the same Allie I'm remembering, right? Like wow. when you're trying to remind somebody about someone else, you go, you were, don't you remember Allie? She's the one who's really helpful. And she's the one who's wow. really wise and kind. When you are talking to someone else about who you don't want them to forget, the way you talk about them is by saying, but remember my dad, he was so good or he is so this mm. or remember, you know? And so to me, that's why there's no subtitle is because I just went, I just want to say to people, remember God, like Man. remember him. He's, he is who he says he is. I think, I don't think you don't believe it. I think you've just forgotten. I think yeah, your disappointment right. and your pain has just made you forget who he is. And I, and I'm not here to tell you who he is. I'm just here to ask you to remember who he is. Wow. That's great. That's so great. Okay. But tell me how you got confused because now I need to be prepared. No, 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 no. I think that was awesome. There, well, because I, I knew that it was about the disappointments of life and I yeah. knew that it was about, and so, so when I first heard the title of the book, right, it was, I was thinking in my mind, remember comma God, 
That's what I was thinking. Like talking like, to him. Hey, remember God? Like, like you're yeah. talking to him. But oh, when brother, you talk listen, about when you, that's a like, you're telling somebody else. <laughs> yeah. That's so good. I think that's fantastic yeah. because that, that is a perfect example. I, I'm going to steal that. I'm going to preach that at some point. Okay. Have and it. <laughs> have it. Send me the link though because so I want to hear good. it, but you have it. This idea of like, no, 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 I know God. I know the character and nature of God. I know the truths of God's word. I know who he's supposed to be and who he says he is. And I think that's the thing is like, he, he has told us who he is and he's, yes. and he's, and he's shown us over and over and yes. over and over through the story of God, through the, his faithfulness with his people. And we see testimony of that. And so, Hey, remember God, yeah. like remember who he is. Yeah. I think that's so, we say a, a phrase a lot around here, um, faithful, you've been faithful. You'll yes. be. Yes. That's good. That the best predictor of God's future faithfulness is his past That's provision. That's really good. So if we question something in the future, we go, wait, hold on. We know he's always been faithful. We always come to this moment where we go, oh, okay, that's why, uh-huh. or oh, I understand. So, so whether that's a moment that you come to a year after whatever disappointment you experience, or whether it's like a lifetime after, yeah. you can still go, I know that yeah. he's going to be Do you faithful. know what I say to people a lot, like when I'm teaching or even in conversations, I, I will say to them, you know, God wrote the Bible, right? So God wrote the Bible. All we have to do is <laughs> remind him what he said. You know, like he said he was faithful. So I will just say back to him, but you yes. said you were faithful. I didn't yes. make that up. You said it, <laughs> right? That's good. You said you'd provide for me. I That's didn't so decide good. you were a provider. You said you're a provider. So I'm just here in this prayer time yep. to remind you of who you already told yep. me you are. That reminds me of the conversation right? that Moses and God had, right? When God's like, I'm going to kill everybody. I'm killing all, like, we're just starting over with you, Moses. Mm-hmm. And Moses mm-hmm. is like, hold on a second, God. Yeah. You... You said you were faithful. He reminds him of God's yeah. character. He said, and, and he starts reasoning with him. He's like, and if you kill everybody, then the Egyptians are going to think that you weren't strong enough to, yeah. to sustain yeah. them through this. Yeah. That you were strong enough to free them, but not sustain them. And yeah. God, I'm like, Moses, come on, dude. Just <laughs> lawyered God. You know? <laughs> right, right. And I think that's one of the reasons, and you're doing it as a pastor and as a husband and dad and as a friend, I'm sure. And I'm trying to do the same in my spheres of going like, here's why you need to know the scripture, because it already tells yeah. you who God is. And so if you will get in the scripture, you will know exactly what to pray because you will know exactly the situation because you can go, oh, I I know that God says that he is loving. So God, I'm reminding you, you are really loving. Can I experience Mm. that in my life? Could my friend that is hurting experience that in their life? Will you be for them who you already said you are? Wow. And so that, I mean, that's to me. He, faithful he's been, faithful he will be. I mean, you're Good. so right. That That's what we do is we just go back and go, I've got this really thick book that tells me what you're like, and I'm looking for it in my life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love it. You talk, you talk a little bit about that, and you've referenced it already a little bit. There's a season where you felt like everybody was kind of leaving your life and you, this yeah. book is on disappointment, and it's on. I'm, I'm imagining a lot of what you have experienced throughout your life is a sense of loneliness, you know, especially in this place yeah. of singleness. Yeah. You kind of have re- had to wrestle with that. As you're interpreting loneliness through that lens now, of okay, I'm not going to interpret it through the lens of disappointment. What do you what What are you seeing in those seasons? Yeah. What are you seeing when, when really you see loneliness? Question. What do you see now? Yeah, I mean, I still see it. It's it, it certainly isn't invisible. I actually just moved into a new house, and I was saying to a friend of mine late, recently that I've had to stop. I, I, my battery on my phone was dying super fast the last couple of weeks, and I was like, "Oh, a new update, blah blah blah." And I was like, <laughs> "Or actually, you're just on your phone all the time because you feel lonely." Wow. And I was like, "Oh, that's wow. right. <laughs> that's right." So I got to start putting my phone down and like feel some of this. Yeah. Um. So it, so it has changed 
for me and that there feels, um, you know, when you're doing rehab, when you've been injured and you're doing mm. rehab and it hurts, but you know, it's cause it's making you better. Mm. Uh, loneliness used to feel like the pain and now it feels like the rehab. Okay. Does that make sense? Wow. Like it yep, used to absolutely. feel like the thing yep. that was hurting and now it feels like it hurts because it's growing something in me. Yep. It's producing yeah. something in and you. And so it's still, yeah. it still hurts. I mean, I still am over it. Right. But, um, you know, I mean, people who are married feel lonely and yeah. single moms feel lonely and single dads feel lonely and grandparents feel lonely when their kids don't come over enough. And I mean, yeah. there, you don't get a life place that takes away the loneliness. You get to learn how to live in the loneliness in a way that brings glory to God and also heals you. Cause we're yeah. all going to, we're all going to yeah. keep running into loneliness. We're going to keep running into sin. We're going to keep running into pain and we just have to figure mm. out how do we run into it in a way that while it will hurt, will also heal. Right. Which is totally against your nature as a seven. Oh, brother, Eight, listen, times a million. <laughs> Just take me to an oh amusement park gosh. and let me forget everything, right? That's how I actually right. want to live. Do you, do, you, do you find it interesting that, I mean, uh, here, and this is the only two, the, the only two lives uh, that I've really, you know, right now sitting and talking to you and kind of like hearing your life out in front of us when it comes to pain. Yeah. But also my wife, I feel like my wife has walked through, um, an amount of pain that I don't think anybody should have ever have to walk yeah. through. And she has, you know, she's a seven and she has come out on the other side, a strong, strong woman because of it. But, but in our conversations, um, and I can't wait for you to hear her story, yeah. Andy, but in, in our conversations, she talks a lot about like wrestling through this thing. Like, is God just kind of abusing and using me for his glory right. by putting me through all these instances of pain? How do you reconcile a lot of this stuff that you have walked through as a seven, do you feel like there's an attachment there that like, I hate to, I don't know. I hate to say this, that God would like put you in these circumstances because he knows your aversion to him. For or like, sure. How do you, I think that's true. Yeah. Think, yeah. How do you feel about <laughs> yeah, that? No question. No question. I mean, for a long time, something my counselor and I would talk about a lot was like, am I still single because God cares more about my ministry than my heart? Oh. Right? Like, Ooh. am I still single because he cares more about other people, other single men and women being encouraged by my life than he actually cares about answering my prayers? And I had to like fight down what was actually true there. And what's actually true is that God, God will use whatever we will let him use. You know, it, it's two different things. Wow. I thought it was this one thing that was tied together that, that I was suffering personally so that he would be glorified publicly. Mm. And that was, that was ruining my seven life, mm. <laughs> you know, yep. of going like, no, 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 forget it. Then I won't do ministry. I'll like, I'll, I'll, I'll do a job that has no ministry impact at all. Yeah. And by choice yeah. so that I can have what I actually want. And, and what's actually is true is there are two different things. What God and I are walking through with all, and we all want stuff we don't have, right? Yeah. Like everybody is a wanter. So what God and I are walking through with what I want, but don't have, and what God and I are walking through about how he can use our pains and our disappointments for his glory are two separate wow, things. Wow. That's really good. And, wow. and so that has really helped where I go, you know what, if I'm going to hurt, Let's get some other people feeling better too. If That's I'm going to rehab, we're all going to rehab. That's good. Versus where it used to be like, I'm the only one rehabbing and everyone else is standing outside watching like in um, Grey's Anatomy where they get yeah. to sit up in that top and watch the surgery. Yeah, right. I always thought that. I th always thought I was the one getting operated on and they right. were all sitting up there. <laughs> and, and, and that's not it. It's actually, I, I get to... 
I get to God uses my pain and disappointments and yep. and places where I'm still wanting so uh, while I'm still there so that yep. other people will be able to say man I've been through that same surgery yeah and I wasn't it. sure I was gonna live but she lived so yep. if she lived maybe I'll live you know if that yep. if she survived that experience maybe I will I mean I think that's why so many people telling their stories of what they've experienced all, all across the board really matters right now because it if yes. nothing else, it's given. I mean, you telling your story is going to give people mm. permission to go. I, I didn't know, but now I know, and I didn't mm. know anyone else That's had so ever good. felt what I felt. But there's, I, I read a book, and there's one other person that feels what I felt, and so maybe I'm not alone on this planet. And that, and that's. And, and actually that's more than we deserve. Yep. It, it, even in my pain and disappointment, God using that stuff to make other people feel not as lonely is mm. more than I deserve to be a part of. Wow. That's amazing. Cause the reality is we are all going through pain. I mean, whether people vocalize it or not, whether people try to whitewash it or not, we are all going through it. And it's an invitation into therapy is what pain is, right? That's what Come you're on. experiencing. That's it's an invitation right. to that. Say, okay, cool. God, yep. If God's goal for us is sanctification, is holy, is becoming more like Jesus, that's his goal, yep. then, then yep. there's going to be some painful muscle work that we've got. You know, faith, faith is a muscle. It's going it's to have to be worked for it to it. be built. That's right. And so if we don't go through therapy, just like in mm -hmm. the physical realm, if you don't go through therapy down the road, you may not experience it right now. You may not be experiencing that pain, but you're going to experience some harder pain down the road or some debilitation yeah. Yeah. down the road, some lack of effectiveness physically. The same thing is true spiritually. If we don't walk through or be willing to walk through the therapy of pain, we're going to experience debilitation, Man, you are ineffectiveness, right. a lot of pain later, you know. And it's that same, That's like, it. faithful he's been, faithful he'll be. Like, yeah. if you learn to bench or to, you know, do curls with 50-pound weights, next time you see 50-pound weights, they aren't that intimidating. The 60s feel intimidating, yeah. but you go, well, I just did 50. I bet I could do 60. Right? And, wow. and, and that That's is it. what we are doing with, with our spirit all the time. Every time we push through mm -hmm. pain and we survive it, not saying we aren't allowed to feel it. We're not pushing through and ignoring it, but we are, we are re rehabilitating that pain Every time we do that, our muscles are stronger for the next time and we can hold more and carry more. And wow. when we hold more and carry more, God gets more glory. And Man. that's that's why we're here. Wow, that's so good. You talked a little, well, again, in that season where everybody was leaving, one of them, you know, one of the things you referenced, and I'll bring this up because I think we have a mutual, uh, probably a mutual experience in this, but um, one of the got one of the people you were referencing was uh, your pastor, Pastor Pete Wilson, at the time of Crosspoint, yeah. and then you were also a, a, in the circles. I don't know how it was, but in the circles of, or you were speaking at Willow Creek or something around the time of all the Bill yeah. Hybel stuff. I mean, you want to talk about around the time? Listen, I was preaching the morning. Were you really? That the last article came out. I was on oh stage my gosh. when oh my Pastor gosh. Steve quit. <laughs> wow. Wow. It was the real deal, man. And I'm, I have so much respect for them, the leaders there, but yes. yeah, I was there that week. I've never talked about this on the podcast at all, but you know, Pastor Perry Noble, he had also like a, a, a falling out with their, with his church, the church that sent us, New Spring is the church that started us. Okay. So I was on staff okay. at New Spring and Pastor Perry, yeah. um, he, he preached Amanda's funeral. Very much like oh, wow. uh, uh, still a good friend of mine. But I think one of the things that God has taught me is not to esteem um, people the way that we tend to esteem 
people because they'll disappoint mm-hmm. you. How have you had to wrestle with that through some of the things that you've experienced with some of these leaders that you've been around? Yeah, yeah. That have fallen? Um, yeah, it's so hard, isn't it? It, yeah. it is such a painful thing to watch and to see. You know, so for me, what what immediately comes to my mind when you ask that is the number one thing I've learned is I better be telling somebody in my life every little corner of truth about my life. Mm. There better not be one thing hidden that that could wow. be the thing that gets tied around my ankle that pulls me down. Wow. And and that's the biggest thing I've learned from from I'm a big fan. I hope you are too. I bet you are too. I'm a big fan of learning things on the receiving end versus the giving end. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> right. So I would much rather learn about how careful I need to be about my character and my behavior yeah. and my secret sin from the receiving end of being brokenhearted by a pastor who walks away than being the one who walks away. That's really good. Yep. And so um, I just said to someone the other day, I don't even care if I'm crawling across the finish line. I don't care if I disappoint everybody on the way. I just want to finish. Let's finish. Like I just want to finish. You know, we're just watching so many people in the generation right above us. You and I are about the same age. The generation right above us not finish. Yep, exactly. It's unbelievable. And I'm like, no, no, no. I I don't I don't know what it's going to take but I'm going to write the check that makes sure I finish. Yep. And so yep. right now it looks like a couple people in my life know some really nasty stuff about me that I hate is true, Right. but they have to, right. because if nobody knows, if nobody knows 1%, then when it becomes 10% with all these stories, maybe you do this too with all these stories, I go, how many little yeses did you say before the yeah. big yes? Yeah. Yeah. Cause it always is a little like, yes. It's a compromise. Oh, there time. has to be. Yeah. Cause you don't go from a pastor and I'm not referencing any of the ones we're right, talking about. So I'm sure. going to make up a story. Just, uh, you yep. don't go from a pastor preaching on a Sunday to a pastor hiring prostitutes on a Monday. Right, that's, right. that's not, that's not the step. There are little yeses right. all along the way that you get away with yep. that. You don't, that you don't get st- the first time I ever got drunk and I woke up the next morning and I hadn't gotten struck by lightning. I was like, Oh, I can live. I can live after I get drunk. I we won't, it, God won't kill me immediately. Yeah, right. Oh, and that set me on a drinking path for a little bit because yeah, I, wow. because I said a little yes and it didn't, I didn't get murdered for it. Mm-hmm, you know, like mm-hmm. I didn't get just destroyed for it. And right. so I, I am seeing that that there are all these little yeses that we've yeah. seen some leaders ahead of us make. And so my goal in life is that those little yeses get busted hard by somebody wow. so that we never yeah, get to the good. big yeses. So every little yes that I sense in me I, as best I can, I'm not, I'm not great at being a human. I'm not perfect at anything, but right. um, as many little yeses as I can catch and make them no's, yeah. I try to because even if it's just a show that I'm watching that's leading my mind somewhere, right, right. I'm going, hey, you recognize that this could be the little yes. Right, right. And they go, oh, okay. And it may not be anybody else's little yes, right? Like a Snickers yep. bar may not be a yes for you, but it may be a yes for me. And so yeah, yeah. I got to pay attention to my little yeses that could add up. So that's my big takeaway from what I've that's watched to the generation of leaders ahead of us, that of the ones who have not, there are a lot who are making it. They're the yeah. Andy Stanleys of the world. Yep. There are, you know, they're the Craig Groeschels. I mean, Craig Groeschels to me is such a awesome. hero. I mean, yeah, it, it, right. I just, I esteem him so much. And Andy too, Absolutely. some of them, and I go, okay, teach us how to do this. Teach us how to finish. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think it's so important. I wish we had the rest of the time, or I wish we had all the time in the world, the rest of the day to talk about this. 
But I think this is why it's important. What you did in your book, Remember God, is is so good and healing because you're exposing the dark places of your heart as you're wrestling with some really dark, difficult truths. Yeah, yeah. And well, that right thank there you. That's really is, kind is, of you. is therapy to your soul. Yeah. It's, a, it's therapy to your soul. It's yeah. how you're staying authentic. And so I want to commend you because I know Thanks, that that bud. was anti your nature. You're right. You, know, as a you seven, live with you one of us. You know. You didn't, run it, you didn't want to run into that. <laughs> That's right. But I love that you did because it, I love it for you and I love it for everybody else who's going to experience that Thank kind you. of healing when they Thank read you. it because they're going oh, to. Oh, you're kind. So we'll, we'll pray that down. That's what I'm asking thing. the Lord to do is that every reader would believe that God is who he says he is. That's so good. Annie, where can we, where can all the listeners find out more about you? Well, I'm embarrassingly easy to find, actually. It's just Annie F. Downs everywhere. F as in fancy. Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, that's my website. Anywhere you need me, that's how you can find me. And the books, Remember God, is available at all your favorite places, your local bookstore, your Barnes & Noble, your Amazon. Anywhere you want to find it, you can have it. Love it. Love it. So excited. Thanks so much for joining us today. It's just an honor to talk to you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm grateful. Man, what a great interview with Annie. It was great. Now, it's Annie F. Right. Downs. Annie Just F. To, Downs. Just to, to distinguish for the listener. Yes. Because if you look up Annie Downs, you'll find another author, different genre, not as good. <laughs> Sorry, it might be as good. I don't know. I don't not, know. I'm not informed. That was, that was an uninformed <laughs> statement. I should not have said that. But... <laughs> But this Annie that we interviewed is Annie F. Downs. Yeah, and we do know that she's good. And we do know that she is good. Sorry if you're the other Annie Downs and you happen to be a podcast listener. I'm sure you're fantastic. We do love you. I'm sure you're awesome as well. I'm glad we could give you some exposure too right now. So whatever genre. I hope you're not like weird genre, like 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 adult semi porn romance genre. I hope that's not what that is. Yeah, hopefully not. I don't really know. I feel uncomfortable. This one is Annie <laughs> F. Downs. Yes, yes. So what a so great interview. Speaking though. of Annie F. Downs and all of all of the things that she has produced, all of her resources. If you are interested in finding more about those or need some direct links to um, things that she has produced, her podcast, books, anything of that nature, um, you guys can go to the podcast page specifically for Annie, and you can find that at davyblackburn.com/slash podcast and this will be episode 35 man it's a lot of episodes that we're starting so to rack many. up it's yeah. awesome i'm excited for when we get to 50 that's gonna be fun mm-hmm. it'll be a celebration i love celebration podcasts like no wave that was a good one that was a good one had some good podcasts yes and <laughs> i'm in a weird <laughs> mood right now it's probably because i just got done interviewing annie f downs and it like it was so fun right so i'm just kind of in this mood all right or i need to lay off the coffee yeah, you've said that a few times today. Not on the mic, but... That's probably true. Yeah. Yeah, it probably is an indicator that there's something wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Friends, thanks so much for joining us. We want to just make sure that we thank Ryan O'Neill mm-hmm. because he's been so kind to um, allow us to use his music for this podcast and every other episode. So make sure you check out his music anywhere down anywhere music can be downloaded and streamed. That is Sleeping At Last. Yeah. And we just really appreciate you guys being a part of the Nothing Is Wasted community. Yeah. Love you guys to death. We'll see you guys next time. <laughs>